You know, we're in a crisis now. A new great financial crisis. Yet another one. And CNN has some tips from us from a woman who lost almost everything. And, and this is, it's just so unbelievably bleak. And the spin yeah. is just incredible. <laughs> yeah. Like, shit, like, okay, here's one. Um, hold on, cut this. Okay, like, things like one of the section headers is let the fear inspire you. Yeah. To justify, you know, that you have to have what they call job diversification, also known as, hey, guess what? You don't make enough money from one job, so you have to work two. Or you don't have enough stability from one job, so you need a second job or something. Ah, but we're not talking about a poor here. Um, CNN doesn't talk about poors. Not in any sort of detail that would mean they have to understand our situations. No, this is this is like a corporate lawyer who's like, I work at two firms to get my billable hours for two hundred thousand dollars a year. So yeah, totally relevant <laughs> if you are a high powered corporate attorney, you know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yes, she did lose her shirt. I mean, she lost her house and her car. Um, she probably did a stint homeless because, you know, there's only so much cushion that can protect you from homelessness, even if you are a high-powered corporate lawyer. But she bounced back. And now she's in basically the same class position she's always been in. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was just a setback for her. And but hey, now she knows how to use a credit card responsibly. Cause you know, she just had to lose everything and have that primal fear of starving to properly be a good little capitalist worker drone. Well, not even worker mm-hmm. drone, but you know. Like one of yeah. those more like specialized drones. Yes, yes. And so now that one firm had to like discontinue uh, their activities so she could bill very many hours through them. But she had the other one to fall back to to bill her hours. She's just fine. Totally. Because, you know, that's so relevant to anyone who's you know, staring at the, like, job market going, I have debt and need work, and I am sending out a hundred resumes a day and hoping that I might get a rejection letter. Or you're working an essential job, your health is constantly at risk, and Mm -hmm. then you're dealing with, like, yeah. This condescending ass advice that if I uh, if I can't afford something, I don't deserve it. Because you know who needs food? Yeah, yeah. It's like who needs you know a house? (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know little things. You're supposed to embrace that, like you know your worker suffering is supposed to like redeem you in the eyes of like capitalist God or something. Yeah. And she's also like, you know, you need to move in with a relative temporarily to reduce your overcoat costs. Wait, wait, wait. When they, that's supposed to be a reason why millennials are all supposed to be a bunch of like lazy scofflaws or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, she's responsible. She has a paralegal job. And then she got back a corporate lawyer job. So, obviously, she's responsible. She's deserving poor. She's one of the elect. She's one of the elect. After her penance, she will be allowed back into the good graces of number. Yeah. Welcome to Chop Shop Economics. (laughs) <laughs> I'm your host, Miss Silver. With me is Doc Spider. Um, <sighs> St. Helen has gone back on hiatus. Um, being an Antifa super soldier in an undisclosed location is difficult, y'all. It's hard work. We support our brave Antifa super soldiers on the front lines. Mm-hmm. Ah. So. The, just the top of the hour, I guess, is all of what's riding in on the white horse that CNN doesn't seem to notice. The 
the impact, the, just the new ways that this first wave that never really subsided are is unfolding. And nothing mm-hmm. really hits home how bad things are getting. Like a new travel ban that has been put in place by the governor of Massachusetts. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, you can still pass through because ultimately, like, that's like the reality of living in a place like Massachusetts. The place is so fucking small that people commute across multiple states in only 90 minutes. Yeah. But if you are traveling to Massachusetts, you are under quarantine for two weeks. The moment you get off the plane, arrive at your hotel, whatever, or you will face a fine. Mm -hmm. (sighs) And I mean, it's like, I'm not going to knock them for doing that, but it's like, it's like they did shit like that in Italy. Like, that's what they had to do in Italy, was they had to do shit like sending out the gendarme to patrol the streets. And if you were out on the street at all, you basically had to write yourself a passport saying, I am going to the shop to get, like, essential food stuff so I don't die. And I'm coming right back. And you weren't allowed to go more than, like, 200 meters away from your house. So, like, you know, a quarter of a mile. And if the gendarme didn't shame you, the mayor did on TikTok. And you deserved it. (laughs) So, yeah, this is (laughs) this is within the the, it it really just kind of says how totally like inept and inadequate the entire response to COVID has been from a policy standpoint that even though even when the United States was blasting past Italy in terms of per capita and rate of infection and everything else, we tried to go with some stupid ass uh, reopen strategy that's mostly like killing people and not saving the economy. And now you know Italy's actually starting to get on the mend and things are starting to get back to normal. So instead we're now like at a place that's way worse than Italy. Yeah, all because, well, the economy, the economy fucking shit itself. Number had a bad day, and that means that you had to return to work. The economy has to reopen, so that number is pleased. Because instead of doing something like, you know, Germany, who guaranteed 80% of your paycheck, to stay home Mm -hmm. or um spain who basically went to the same level as far as how much money you were getting back or like even the fucking tories were like okay we'll guarantee we'll give you 70 percent of your paycheck just stay the fuck home um yeah instead they're like here's like twelve hundred dollars once as a treat oh and extend the Oh, and you might not receive it because the IRS is so fucked up right now that, well, 
I, I still haven't gotten it. And if I'm you're a college not. student, you're not eligible, by the by. Oh, yeah, yeah. You have to be an independent student. No, even if you're an independent student. Seriously? Seriously. <laughs> Good God. I'm like, that's like literally the one reason for me to file my taxes this year. Oh my god. Fucking. Seriously? Is that why they haven't given it to me? Or they just lost it, or whatever. But yeah, that's, you know, that's what we got. And this big stimulus bill that's supposed to be coming down is already, like, a day late and a dollar short. The thing that's yeah. supposed to, like, get us through the now inevitable lockdown that's going to be probably way stricter and to a degree way more draconian in many places than the first one was. Um, oh, yeah, it's, um, if you're still in that um, sub-24 bracket, you don't get it, which is, which is admittedly most college students. If you're non-traditional like me, you'll still get it. Um, but it's, it's because you're a dependent, basically, and dependents don't get anything. Well, um, anyway. <laughs> um, because we have a totally normal system for, um, stimulus. <laughs> totally. Because, yeah, there's just so much, I mean, first things first, the last of the stimulus money assuming you were getting it, mm-hmm. went out on Friday, June 24th. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That, 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 that the money is not coming anymore. Things are going to fall back to whatever your state unemployment was, which is going to run the gamut from, like, say, California, which is survivable, if you don't mind couch surfing. If you're living anywhere near, like, L.A. or San Francisco or, like, downtown, like, San Diego proper or anything like that. Um, To, you know, Mm -hmm. like, pray really hard if it's, like, Louisiana or something. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. So it's, yeah. Um... So they basically waived twelve hundred bucks in front of you, but you may or may not have actually been able to get it, and they only gave it to you the one fucking time. So yeah, and all that is, and this isn't to say that the other stimulus bill isn't happening because it apparently is starting to come together, finally. It's just the thing that's the big problem right now, and it's like. I mean, in some ways, it's worse. It's getting rid of the Bernie bucks and just giving you 400 extra a month from the feds instead of up to 600 extra a week. Um, yeah. And another 1,200 once. But, like, the one useful thing it does is it, like, creates, like, it would extend a national eviction moratorium. But that's yeah. already too fucking late. Um, the The fact that this is not this had to have for the money to keep moving it would like blah, 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 blah. it if congress didn't want the money flow to stop this bill would have to have been 
signed on like July seventeenth. Yeah. And I mean, even a short di- uh, disruption um, is fatal. Like our economy, when you get right down to it, once you get outside of like you know, borgy fuckheads who um, you know get as much money as they need and then some. It's like you know, if you're pay- uh, if you're paycheck to paycheck, like you needed that fucking burning bucks to keep you alive. Mm-hmm. And, and now some fuckheads in D.C. are like, well, do you really need it? It's discouraging um, you from working. You're not being a good little surf and going out in the fields. How dare you refuse to die for number? You were told by your master, a boss... To go jump in the number volcano. Yes. Yes. Why haven't you sacrificed yourself for number yet? You have to die for number. And that's that's how these fucking people think. Yeah. And it's all co- like and because they basically just skipped a track. Mm-hmm. Cause oops, they just, you know, like on one hand the Democrats are were like fighting with themselves and Pelosi was doing stupid ass shit like going, Hey, I'm gonna attach DHS money to this, you know. While people are getting black bagged in Portland, I'm going to attach money for the black baggers to this must pass bill. Yeah. Um and the Republicans were just living in some fantasy land of, well, if we can just, you know, whip the serfs a bit more, they'll get back to work and they'll ignore the plague, like good old Rush told them to. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get Larry's V-shaped recovery. Yeah. And, like, it's not going to happen. I'm sorry, but it's just, it's not. The fundamentals aren't there anymore. Our economy is fucking dead. So here comes the eviction crisis. Mm -hmm. This is it. This could, like, these people were too busy living out their fucking whatever sick fantasies it is that's running in their heads about how they get to dominate other people or something. Yeah. And, And, like, I should point out something. This bill... That the you know McConnell and the White House keep going back and forth on, and that they're pretty sure is close to what they want. That still has to be reconciled with whatever the fucking House passes. That hasn't even been done yet. Well, we know that Pelosi is going to just give them eighty percent of what they want, as long as oh, she yeah. gets to call. Donald Trump, uh, Mr. Fanny Manny Mean Face or something. Totally normal. Uh, this is a totally normal country we live in. Totally. Yes. So CNBC did a breakdown of the percentage of the population that is on the edge of eviction, state by state, if mm-hmm. stimulus goes away. And the lowest number on this map is 22% in Vermont of 
one out of every five Vermonters is the low end of yes. how serious we're going to be looking at in terms of evictions. Um, and then we get to fun things like California, which is supposed to be held up as like, you know, like progressive dream uh, is looking at 37% of all residents facing eviction. Um, New York is at 46. Great job, Andrew. Um, but those aren't even like the worst, like the absolute worst has to go to uh, first Texas, which has 48%. So just shy of half of the population on the edge of eviction. Um, Louisiana at 50% on the nose, Tennessee at 58 and West Virginia at 59%. If because the stimulus didn't go through, those are what the percentages are we're looking at. Now, this isn't going to be this doesn't mean that we're going to actually see all these evictions happen, especially not all at once. Like multiple states have passed like eviction moratoriums. Um like, including, like, particularly, like, California, Oregon, Montana, uh, New Mexico, Minnesota, Kentucky, New Jersey, Delaware, Massachusetts, and Vermont until basically the end of the emergency, or at least until the end of August. Um, so there's some places where this isn't going to hurt as much, but, you know, Texas and Louisiana and Tennessee and West Virginia have no standing eviction bans. Neither does Ohio, or Missouri, or Nevada, or like, or Wisconsin. So we're looking at, or even Democrat-run Virginia doesn't have an eviction ban. So you know. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, that's we're looking at low end a third of the population in any of these given states being out on the street to well over half. Yeah. Well, I mean, when we're talking about a third of the population, empires have died for less. Let me put it this way. Much less. And I just, I don't and it's all because the fucking pricks in DC were too busy playing their like Versailles cosplay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like how do we best fuck over the poor and it's like you know we we have to live here. Um not, <laughs> nothing in this fucking country works without us. So I mean, it's like, what? Are you just expecting that we're all just going to, like, fucking die for you? Yeah. This is, like, I mean, shit, like, like we've t- never not gonna bring this one up. Like, the, mm-hmm. like shit we've talked about in earlier episodes of, like, Zoom eviction hearings in Texas. Where yes. you just lose if you can't connect. Given how dodgy Zoom is. It's, yeah, so this is what the reality is. This is, like, 
I mean, there's definitely places that are going to be spared the worst of it because they have eviction moratoriums in place, but there's... It's not going to be possible to enforce this many evictions. Like, it's just... There is no way the courts or law enforcement could actually process this. I mean, they could do, like, what they were trying to do in Columbus, just, you know, rent out a stadium and uh, run a bunch of eviction courts in parallel. Um, because, you know, it's it's more important that we, like, it's more important that we evict all these fucking people so that market discipline is maintained um, than it is that they survive because, you know, reasons. You know, you, you don't you don't deserve to live. You just Cause, you don't you don't because it's not like this totally won't make that you know infectious disease crisis worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I know we've been pessimistic, um, and it's like the thing with the mass deaths that I. I have been off and on predicting and then not predicting and then predicting. A lot of those assumptions were like, you know, the healthcare system breaks down and something really fucking stupid happens. Like tens of millions of people (laughs) losing their housing. Like, yes, that's... Like, I mean, yeah, some of them will be able to, like, get into a different place. Well, it's That's either not... tens of millions of people are going to lose their houses, or, and possibly both, we're going to have the biggest rent-slash-foreclosure strike in history. Yeah. Simply by virtue of that, a lot of people will be able to, like, do the math and be like, yeah, the sheriff is not coming to this part of town for a while. I'm just gonna squat in my home, thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what are they gonna do? The the sheriff is too busy, and, you know, there is such a thing as de-evicting some. And just, and just wait until cops start doing what they do around people's dogs. Just, you know, at this point, in in hindsight, the massive and militant response that we've seen since George Floyd was foreseeable, given the mm-hmm. proven racism in the enforcement of COVID regulations. Um, so, you know, now let's add in what happens when cops do anything around black or brown people's houses. (laughs) Just, you know, just not saying this is good, just putting it out there. We're talking, you know, immovable objects and irresistible forces here. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it turns out that there is an upper limit to the misery that you can inflict before people just 
flip the table. And we are, you're approaching this point. And I mean, I know that people are like, oh, well, you know, Americans are so, uh, you know, they, they'll never fight for themselves. They have no self-respect. This is going to force that whether or not they like it. Yeah. And they like, will not be able to, they will not be able to punish everyone. Yeah. They, there are not enough people with guns who are willing to do that kind of work. Yeah. I mean, it's like, how, how the fuck do you do this? It's like evicting one person is trivial. Evicting tens of millions. Wow. That's a bit more difficult. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, in in that spirit, especially since, you know, Texas is looking at like 48% of the population being eviction vulnerable, and they've rescinded their moratorium back at the end of June. I would like to put my marker on the table for Texas Commune by the end of 2020. Salute to the real ones out there. Just gonna put that one out there. (laughs) And speaking of conflict, the red horse is on the horizon. This was, uh, this one was so fucking stupid. Um, So, um, there's a coalition, the uh, Not Fucking Around Coalition. They're I wish they were awesome, but unfortunately they're not. It's very much in the vein of like anti-Semitic crankery more than anything. Oh. Um, yeah. Weren't they like organized by the, like a pretty prominent like Atlanta rapper or something? Yeah. Um, I it's like I don't I don't mind the idea of it. It's I mind the execution of it. Um, I and it kind of has you know a certain personal uh, <laughs> militia vibe going on there. Yeah, and so these guys are running around in Atlanta in Louisville. And like, in case it wasn't clear, there's an all-black militia. Yes, yes, this is. Um, I'm not gonna say they're Nation of Islam because that's not quite accurate, but they're, you know, they're they're descended from that sort of tradition. But it's in that wavelength. Yes, yes, and. So it's like, you know, they're not, we're not talking about the good guys here, but what we are talking about is a militia clash in Louisville. Um, 
because the Freebirds came out to respond to the Not Fucking Around Coalition. Um, they faced off, exchanged words, um, and then some, in fact, dipshit um, negligently discharged their weapon, injuring a few people. Not severely, as far as I understand, but it was all very much a shit show. Um, as far as ours, <laughs> yes, it could have been way worse. Um, um like it, it is important to keep in mind the scene we're describing here is that you have like between the two of them, several hundred armed, very angry, um, probably white nationalist reapers standing up against some like, like sort of but not quite nation of islam uh black militia and mm-hmm. then a shot goes off we got very lucky there unbelievably so um Coreheads prevailed i'll give them that yeah but it's not a good sign going forward uh, especially the things that we're we were kind of expecting <sighs> the things that we be we would be kind of expecting if you know we really are on the path to a possible civil war in this country. Yeah, this is this is on the bingo card. I'm sorry. Yeah, and it's made worse by what also just happened in Austin, where a oh god. Yeah, where a protester at a Black Lives Matter march um, was shot and killed by an assailant who drove into the march with his car uh, right up to this guy and shot him as he was wheeling um, his um, quadruple amputee uh, black girlfriend, like, supporting her in the march this prick basically just wheels up in his truck and shoots him yeah yeah god that's fucked fucking night rider shit yeah night rider shit we're in some real years of lead bullshit yeah It's, it's not gonna be pretty and we gotta remember this kind of pattern of random violence is partly because they're not cohesive or organized or disciplined enough to do the whole brown shirts and black shirt thing. That doesn't mm-hmm. make this less dangerous. But you know, that same unpredictability swings in both directions. Yes, definitely. Like, some 4chan rando could pop off and that same 4chan rando could also bite off way more than they can chew when they pop off. Yeah. Or we can get uh, shit like Austin or worse. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Car caravans are awesome. Just gonna say it. And then we have to talk about that operation. <sighs> that stupid operation. 
legendary failure. Oh wait, sorry, Operation Legend. Um, the Operation thing, Legends. <laughs> the thing that like Trump's Wish dot com Cobra is getting up to. Mm-hmm. Among other things, they were responsible for um, recently planting. Um, two quote-unquote Molotovs and, like, four um, Magpul AR magazines. They're not all PMAGs. They're all, like, you know, a mix of stuff. And um, some of them are stained with a whole bunch of paint that got splashed on some DHS guy, which is probably where they pulled them. And we so, got, yeah. <laughs> and, and this is a thing that's this has been kind of a theme that even though again these guys are fucking dangerous, they're snatching people off the street and doing black bagging like Argentine dirty war shit, but they're really not that good at it. Like this isn't the fucking FBI. Like as far as we know, most of these guys are either border patrol who have absolutely no experience doing this kind of shit. Or mercs, who have, like... I mean, there's def- they're definitely dangerous, murderous assholes, but there's a reason that a lot of different mercenary units tend to get a really bad reputation in places like Iraq, and it's because they're a bunch of trigger-happy morons who can't stay on the mission plan. Mm-hmm. And it's worth noting that, like, yes, at the uh, at the border patrol, they are br- um, pretty brutal people, and that's that's where they they learn their trade um, as far as riot suppression. You know, Concentration camps for babies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the thing of it is though is that when it comes to like playing you know gladio dirty tricks they're not that good at it they're they're used to people that like they have like a pretext of to you know ship them back to uh the mexican border like they don't need to plant evidence for that so they're not in terms of dirty tricks, people, they're not exactly sending their best. Um, they're sending what they could get. Um, yeah. And there probably are some FBI involved, but again, this is like they're, like, Trump is like even boasting about sending like 75,000 federal agents out. It's like he doesn't have 75,000 free federal agents to do anything. Like, yeah. He does he has tops like a hundred and twenty thousand law enforcement officers, including fucking park rangers and prison guards. So if he's gonna try to pull something like, you know, five divisions worth of personnel out and send them in, then he's going to be stripping down something important like a maximum security prison. Yeah. And like I mean, I'm sure that he'll find a way to scrape up these people, even if he has to, like, arm IRS agents or something and just 
you know, send them out there. But <laughs> that that just raises the odds of people mutinying on the spot. Like there's already like there was like a piece from like the Daily Beast where they were able to get like anonymous testimony from a bunch of DHS goons and you know, like if you're signing up for the fucking DHS and you don't have an are we the baddies moment at any point during the recruitment process. Maybe there's something a little wrong with you, but apparently there are multiple DHS agents who are having that moment. Finally. Took you long enough. So he doesn't even have like 100% of the chuddiest of the fucking chuds in the federal government. Yeah, and it's like, there, there's a reason he's drawing from from Border Patrol. Um, like, those people... Well, they're fucking scum. They, they yeah, will, like, I mean, they it's will, like... They will smash... They will go out into the Arizona desert and they will smash tanks of water that are left for refugees so that, and, like, migrants so they don't die. I mean, we're talking and they'll about... they'll post pictures of it <laughs> on Twitter. We're talking about an agency that is less popular in terms of, like, I want to be a federal worker than, like, the ATF or the TSA. We're, we're talking about bottom-of-the-barrel shit. Like, a lot of these people, they want to... You know, if they didn't sign up to like bully people, they they signed up to like, you know, do their years and then transfer to a different agency. Um, and <laughs> now so, we're pulling them out to like, you know, play federal protective service. Yeah, and Trumps doesn't exactly have, you know. Uh, an army of brown shirts in the waiting. Like, we do have these kind of night Rider attacks, and these are things people need to be prepared for. And there's definitely the possibility that a lot of Trump supporters, like armed Trump supporters, the really black-pilled ones, might go full Rwanda. But mm-hmm. these guys have demonstrated no ability to actually, like, mobilize and force. Like, when the Michigan uh, state legislature blinked in the face of, like, an armed lockdown mob threatening to march on the legislature, like, the day that they fucked off, only, like, 50 guys showed up. Yeah. It was, like, the most March on Rome moment ever of just such a massive fucking bluff. And, like, there's been other, like, these, like, armed, like, pissed-off far-right lockdown protests, they struggle to get into, like, three digits. So... Yeah. And it's, like, it's worth noting that, you know, that that conflict in Louisville that we were shit-talking earlier, like, that's actually a fairly surprising show-off force for the Free Percenters. They're not usually this functional. And it's worth remembering that the three percenters were still massively outnumbered by the not fucking around coalition, which has not even been in existence (laughs) for six months. And the three percenters started back in like 2008. Yes. 
these assholes have been around for a long time. They have the pretense of an organization, but they're not exactly high on the list of people that the feds are going to want to draft, even if it comes to that. And this this isn't all the... We're not trying to downplay the dangers that these things pose. These are very seriously dangerous things that are like, oh shit, this is years of lead shit, but... This look. This doesn't look like it has the makings of just going full on jackboot because there are obvious weaknesses and obvious limits to their capacity. That so far, just the Black Lives Matter mobilizations, without the evictions that are coming, have kicked off the largest social movement in American history, and an estimated twenty million people have participated in these demonstrations. And it's like, I'm not saying that the free percenters can't be a threat. I mean, they have enough of an organizational structure that if they got their shit like remotely together, they could be really fucking dangerous on a level they're just currently not. Um, But so far they are just not that impressive and they are like the cream of the crop as far as these far right militia games go like it's all downhill from there so this is is (laughs) don't underestimate them but don't overestimate them either yeah I mean it's like you know don't you know do the buddy system go out with a crew and all that, but don't expect them to pull some kind of miracle out of Trump's hat. Yeah. Yeah, these... And besides, they're not a lot... uh, Part of the problem, frankly, for a lot of these far-right militia groups is that they don't like the feds at all. Um, some of them like Trump, some of them don't, but they don't like the feds very much either. Um, this is obviously going into this would require like its own set of podcasts, um, probably from people who actually know what they're fully talking about. Um, but it's safe to say that, yeah, these people people can be very dangerous they're not at the moment partly because uh, politically they haven't resolved their own contradictions Um, how they'll resolve that I have no idea assuming they do it all yes they might just jump out when the boot boys decide to pop off and everything turns into a shit show yeah I mean, it's like... Like, they don't seem like they're really operating at their own initiative. They just feel like they're sort of bobbling along the current. Yeah. There's no... There's no real initiative to make history. Yeah. Um, Because... we do have... uh, Speaking of initiative... (laughs) In the tread of the Black Horse... 
Hey. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Comes the fun of that all this. So we've been talking about all this onshoring debate, this whole thing of talking about moving supply chains back to the United States, back to Europe and the UK and stuff like that. And that there is a certain like, you know, it gives a certain impression of, oh, and that'll bring these jobs back and all that. Well, actually, there's a piece in the New York Times from July 22nd that points out, well, actually, onshoring could just mean diversifying your supply base and finding more globalized sweatshop hellholes to exploit. Yeah. I mean, it's like, if it's starting to look like China is no longer, you know, economically or politically viable, there's all sorts of countries that are more than willing to let you set up a factory in exchange for sufficient bribes. I mean, that's, that's pretty much how it works. Yeah. Um, they don't have to send the jobs back here. Um, and they're not necessarily going to. Um, but they are going to consider, you know, maybe making China the global hegemon wasn't such a great idea. Uh, even like if that's, they, that's even, their calculus now. No, even if they do this whole diversification thing, there still are fundamentals that are going to throw wrenches into maintaining these kind of globe-spanning supply chains. I mean, there's shit like half of air freight has been effectively grounded, and the longer that airline, like, air freight stays grounded, the more those planes are going to fall into, like, total disrepair. So, which means, again, that love, those lovely words of permanent loss of capacity. This is... And you're going to have ships that have been forced to idle or forced into like situations that are definitely suboptimal that are going to need repair and refit. So they yeah. may try to do this, but I don't think they're going to be able to sustain it at the level that, you know, we're used to with, you know, Amazon Prime dropping off your like Chinese headphones the same day you order them. Shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, what I'll say is um, as far as Air, uh, air cargo. I've been, uh, I've mentioned before repeatedly that one of the things that's facing the airlines is that a lot of their pilots are going out of concurrency. Well, the same dynamic largely applies to the air cargo carriers. Yeah, that's going to be great. Oh, yeah. This is. So, like, no matter what, the supply chain situation is just going to be really fucking weird in the immediate aftermath. And we're probably going to see either, actually probably a mix of actual onshoring, as well as diversification of supply chains. Which just means we're going to spread the misery around a little more. Yeah. I mean, they may even deign to locate some of the misery here but they're not going to locate all of it here, is the thing. That's what we're trying to tell you. (laughs) And and either way, it still is going to take years for any of this onshoring stuff to really start to have a noticeable impact. Yeah. I mean, there's things they could do immediately, but it's basically building a whole bunch of new capacity um, in places that don't necessarily have it 
or haven't had it in a long time. Look, like, the first thing you'll probably see is going to be an end to shit, like, uh, fish sourced in Argentina and packed in Thailand, or other just, like, equally mind-bogglingly stupid shit that globalization does because it's cheaper. Um, like, food supply chains are probably going to be the easiest to onshore, just because oh. you're shifting from importing from somewhere else to buying more for, directly from a local source. Yeah. But even that's that. going to take years to really feel an impact. Like, it'll probably take at least a year or two. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's a medium and long-term thing. It's not going to be, it's not going to be a short-term thing because there's only so much you can do to, like, adjust your flows so that like only you're using only American parts and you have a fully vertically integrated supply chain. Um, like that, that takes time. Um, and only a small fraction of products can really do that right now. And, and, you know, companies are going to have to do this while they're figuring out clever ways to keep the lights on as is. So, it's <laughs> probably going to be We're less so of a fuck. seamless gradual transition and more of a like fucking tumble down a flight of stairs yeah it's like it's going to be people um, you know building holding groups out of like duct taped corporate debt to um, get a factory up and running for some critical infrastructure that the U.S. just has to have and is willing to um, slide some pork to make it happen. Which is, you know, that's been rare, but if things get bad enough, that's that's what's going to be on the table. It's that or nothing. Yeah. But there's always pineapples. And we're not there's talking all- pineapples on pizza. We're talking the pineapple shortage in South Africa, which is just just <laughs> so 2020. Oh my god. So I swear, like the- I'm getting an I Survive 2020 tattoo by the end of this year. <laughs> I might have to do the same thing, honestly. Um... So yeah, basically, um, and hell, I didn't know this, um, pineapple happens to have the property that um, it has yeast on it. Uh, It's symbiotic with it, apparently. And there is, in fact, a way to brew pineapple beer. Um, And you can do it at home fairly efficiently. Um, It's not, you know, the total train wreck that you know making normal beer is it's something you can so what does like pineapple (laughs) toilet wine have to do with a shortage in south africa you may be wondering yeah yeah like normally this is not a thing you do um it's like an occasional thing because you want to try out this recipe or whatever um but this wouldn't be happening if like you know things are normal Things are not normal right now. Um, in South Africa, um, 
because of the current lockdown, you can't actually go to the liquor store. They're closed. Um, you have to um, come up with your own solutions. And so what people have been doing is buying pineapple and making beer with And there, so many people are buying pineapple that it's actually causing a shortage in South African markets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People you know, would... <laughs> people I mean, it's not the worst idea to go. Hey, we need to like increase our hospital bed capacity, so let's do a thing that, on paper, should reduce the number of people coming in needing medical attention. Yeah, yeah. except you know. <laughs> Don't fuck with booze. <laughs> That's like one of the cardinal economic laws. You fuck with booze and with shit gets weird. Like the last time the United States fucked with booze, it, had, it did the prohibition. And that got us the fucking mafia. Yep. And they took forever to clean out. Yeah. I mean, there's like... We're gonna have it's pineapple so speakeasies in Johannesburg. Yeah, yeah, and all because you know they wanted to, they wanted to figure out something to like slow all this down. Which you know I can't blame them, but like you don't, you don't fuck with the booze. So is the South African Al Capone going to emerge in Pretoria or Cape Town? I have no fucking idea. It'll be interesting, though. Pineapple Al Capone. <laughs> and it's like part of uh, the pineapple industry is not necessarily happy about it because it's like, you know, they haven't been doing so hot lately. And, you know, it's like Oh, now you want her stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> 2020 everyone. 2020 everyone. Don't don't fuck with the beer. And you know, pineapple al capone is officially on the bingo card somewhere. Yep. And actually another one wasn't quite was kind of on our bingo card it wasn't exactly i mean you know really neglectful of us for this like big time pale horse item especially because we've been following what's been sort of falling apart in the u.s military is the whole mess that was the uss bonhomme richard oh god so that was that's one of their pocket carriers. Um, it's like, the idea of these things is so that you've got something you can send with the Marines for when you don't want to do like a whole battle group, but you still want to, you know, do a gunboat diplomacy. Yeah. And like, you know, sending a carrier battle group is expensive. Um, these things can, it tends to panic the locals as well. You know. Oh yes, definitely. Whereas you know a a helicarrier with a couple of support ships 
isn't seen as as big a deal. Um, because technically these things are helicopter carriers. They just happen to be able to let certain fighter jets take off um, carriers and F-35Bs, and that's actually the problem. Um, this this was one of the carriers that was slated to be upgraded to handle the F-35B because the, the F- graph oh. plane. <laughs> yes, um, because it it has a hotter exhaust because it's you know supersonic, bigger engine, more powerful engine, um, and so it's like they've got to fix the deck and all of the superstructure so that the the heat from a landing doesn't totally destroy it. Uh, it was fine for the Harriers, but for the F-35B, it needed some upgrades. So and then <laughs> the fucking thing caught on fire. And we're not just like talking caught on fire. We're talking like like majorly caught on fire. We're talking like sufficient structural damage that it would cost more to repair the Bonhomme Richard than it would just to build a new ship of the same class. Yeah. At port. At anchor. Not from enemy fire. Not from, you know, covert action. Although I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the orange bastard tries to say the Chinese did it. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, who knows? But this is like... This is kind of disastrous, really. This is the kind of thing that's like, how the fuck do you manage to do that? If you are supposed to have the most lavishly funded and equipped Navy on the planet, how the fuck do you do that? Well, part of it is because they're working people to death. Part of it is because... For all our pretensions, you know, we only have so many shipyards. We're only willing to pay for so many ships. Um, you know, there was the strike up in Bat Fireworks. That's holding things up. Um, and good on them, obviously. But it does leave the Navy with a bit of a problem because they can't just queue another of the replacement class. Um, and they still have time to build. Like, this is not. Oh, like- yeah. You're not going to replace this tomorrow. This is going to be at least a year. Oh no, not not years. They this would be they would be basically having to either lay down a new wasp entirely, um, which, which actually you know like we haven't built option. those. In, <laughs> at yeah, this point. like we haven't built those. Well, the problem is we haven't built those in years. For one. Um, and for another, we don't actually have any free shipyard capacity. Um, like, all of the build slots are spoken for. Um, it's just everything so- that can be built is being built. And so, it's like, if they can't, if they lose one of these WASP-class carriers, they cannot replace it. Like, and, and this is like, this speaks to how really fucked some basic maintenance and shit is. Like, like you were saying about them, like working people to death. Like sailors of the Seventh Fleet are 
logging like uh, have been like logging a hundred hour weeks since like 2018 like when we were like yeah. when we had francis on from like hell of a way to die and we're talking about like you know like naval crew at duty stations keeping themselves going by pissing in bottles and buckets like that's the kind of shit that's going on yes and <clears throat> this is only going to make things worse um because <laughs> you know now it's like hey is my ship going to like fucking melt when it comes in for maintenance <laughs> because we yeah. didn't like you know make sure that the person who's like supervising the operation actually you know had enough sleep this week yeah yeah and it's just like this is a complete fucking shit show because it blows out every single timetable the Navy has. Because their build schedule, like I said, it is full. It is full. They cannot just simply... It's not, you know, a matter of, like, going into your MCV menu and clicking shipyard and placing it. And then clicking the build queue a few times to get some helicarriers. I'm sorry, this is not Command and Conquer. Really, like this is, <laughs> <laughs> and this is you know as Trump is rattling sabers with China over the South China Sea and sending a carrier group for action, we're having this like basically the Navy is like being stuck with their fucking pants down. Yeah, yeah, and they shot themselves in public, so you know. This is, yeah, that, that's the death of this week, is the United States Navy. I mean, they've already been suffering from major recruitment issues. And it's not like there's ever been a revolution started by a naval mutiny. Mm -hmm. That's never happened before. No, I can't think of any times. Why would that ever have happened? Oh, wait, there was that one time in Russia in 1917. Ah, right, right. That's very true. But it can't happen here. Uh, or that one time in Germany, also in 1917. Wait, no, 1918. Hmm. Yeah. But, like, you know, right. America is special and immune to historical forces. What what um, about that time that the uh, Royal Navy mutinied against Admiral Nelson in the middle of the Napoleonic Wars because they were tired of rum sodomy and the lash, and hoisted the tricolor? <laughs> it can't happen here. We all know this. But what about that time in Chile in 1934, when they literally like turned battleship guns on the legislature? Don't you understand? Those people were down in South America. It can't happen here because we're Americans and we don't do that. And it's not <laughs> like the fires of capital as hell aren't like rising in the distance. <laughs> A glorious week for Portland. 
and for Seattle, for that matter. Really, just the straight movement in general. This oh, was... yes. Yeah. <sighs> I, I don't want to have to be the poor schmuck that is reporting this to Trump. I mean, at least uh, he can't have me shot on the spot. But... He's working up to it. His replacement probably will. If it's not Biden. We'll get into that later. Um, but yeah, basically the feds are not doing so hot. Um, so far, they've been able to hold the courthouse. They've been able to... Uh, the Portland Police Bureau has been able to hold just sir, not for a lack of trying on our part, but they're under siege. Which doesn't really happen in the United States. Let's be clear. Oh, yeah. Let's be clear here. Like, during Occupy, the closest things got to this was more like the police besieging the encampments. There was never a situation where the cops were hiding behind murder holes in a courthouse. Yeah. Like, you know, we're not locked in here with you. You're locked in with us. <laughs> That's the situation downtown. Um, they have had one success. Um, one night they managed to, like, coordinate an action for once that temporarily disrupted the line. But... No, yeah, we've been doing pretty well. Um, and even, like, the Department of Transportation has been getting in on it and issuing citations <laughs> for the fences that the feds have put up. <laughs> <laughs> don't block the right way. Just don't. You are impeding um, wheelchair access. You black-bagging prick. We will be <laughs> removing your fence now. Yep. I mean, it's like, I hate to say it, but, you know, don't, don't fuck with the DOT. And I had they Seattle have... looked at <laughs> Portland and went, we can top that, and decided that the best, you know, like, they decided to do sort of, I guess you could say the direct action equivalent of an ounce of prevention is a pound of cure. Mm-hmm. The juvie facility that they've been going back and forth on, where to build, um, Seattle, um, Seattle's movement has been trying to abolish this thing for fucking years, and they recently got the go ahead to build it like a year or so ago. I don't recall the exact timeline, but that's all moot at least for now because the. Um, some of the protesters they burned the construction site you know <laughs> i mean cool. it was it, glorious there will not be a youth prison there <laughs> not for a much not for a while longer i mean it's like well and we can burn it again if they try again yeah you can do it once you can do it again so, you know, it's, and on in the background of all these sort of highlights, you had massive demonstrations 
throughout the United uh, States. Like you had mass marches in pretty much every single city that Trump threatened. Um, I mean, these weren't like if you he did. Yeah, is like, the thing. <laughs> where, I mean, these aren't like the biggest marches that have ever happened in this movement so far, but the fact that you're basically talking like short notice and you're getting probably like. I'd guess like between like seventy five and a hundred thousand people out in the night throughout the country. Yeah. Is that's pretty significant. And I mean I can't speak for other places. Like we know that Portland and Seattle are thrown down hard. Like what I saw in Oakland was on one hand the cops were like holding back, probably because they were trying to just sort of do the whole let us like smash shit up and give them an excuse to gas people kind of thing. Um But I think there was also an element of it would have been really goddamn stupid to take on this march. Like this wasn't the biggest march Oakland's ever seen by a long shot, but it was probably the most dead hard march I've ever seen in Oakland. This was like a significant, like, probably, like, a third of the people there visibly had rebreathers and equipment for operating in tear gas, as well as other shit like water canisters and, like, sealed traffic cones and other stuff for, like, smothering tear gas. And there was a solid, like, two-rank shield wall. With these like big fat Roman tower shields on the front ranks of the march, so this was kind of a like, I mean, maybe the OPD were hoping we'd do something stupid so they'd get an excuse to gas us, but I don't, I wouldn't want to be the schmuck who'd have to break up that march. Like, I'm fairly sure that would have that wouldn't have been like the normal of they show up, they fire gas, and we have to pull pack. That would have been like. This line shall not move. Get fucked, pig. <laughs> ah, it's great. We love to see it. Yeah. And, you know, we can't. I mean, if you got. If you're calling in from anywhere else, you know, we'd love to hear what's going on in your end. Because, yeah, this shit is. This is looking like. Probably some of the most, like, normally American mass action does not go to the field with the expectation of fighting the cops. <laughs> so that we've got multiple demonstrations where we're talking thousands of people coming out who are quite ready to hold the line in the street against the cops. <sighs> Meanwhile, somewhere in Delaware. Inside the Biden bunker. Right next Boston to Globe. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, um, There was a Boston Globe report on DC elites role-playing the end of American democracy. Specifically, they were gaming out um, the possibilities for a contested um, Trump-Biden election. Uh, wasn't The results weren't that great. <laughs> Um, because it turns out there's quite a bit you can do to hold things up. Um, and to sort of, you know, fuck with an election if you're the incumbent president. So, oh yeah, you know, 
hey, Bill Crystal and all the rest of you DC shitheads and lanyards, welcome to the party. Where the <laughs> fuck have you been? And you better have brought your own booze, because we're not paying for you. Oh, yeah. The thing of it is, is that the fact that we're discussing this at all is itself a problem. Like, I'm not sure that anyone is going to really see this election as fully legitimate. Um, And there's plenty of incentives for voters on, for both candidates to reach that conclusion. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's one thing if you win the popular vote and lose the Electoral College once. Uh, doing that twice, especially in these circumstances. Especially when the gap was something like 3 million votes. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. I mean, you're basically saying, one of the scenarios they gamed out was like, uh, Biden had a margin of like, Five percent um, on the popular vote, but you know electoral college uh, shenanigans. Um, that, and that's that's for, just to put it out there. That's the one that's on my bingo card. Yeah, you know that was on my bingo <laughs> card before the Boston Globe wrote this article. Let the record reflect that. <laughs> we talked about this last week. <laughs> There's also the scenario where um, the governor sends one uh, sends and certifies one set of results and one set of electors, and the legislature um, does their own set and certifies their own results. Um, there is no constitutional mechanism for determining which would be which. So yeah. Um, that's a lot, and like one. And that's of the just like they what out, are the issues? They even gamed out one scenario where the Biden camp actively encouraged Western state governors to secede under threat of demanding pro democracy reforms. So I mean, this is the Boston Globe is saying a bunch of fucking lanyards were asphyxiating themselves to shit we've been talking about since, like, March. Yeah. You know. As you do. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sorry to get into the electoral sports ball hell, but it's like... When they can see the writing on the wall. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's not that this shit doesn't matter. Um, it's that you have no real your agency you have no is real... really limited oh yes um like you like, may <laughs> like there's nothing wrong with like you know taking the five minutes to fill out your ballot and drop it in the mailbox but you know that doesn't mean you shouldn't also then you know go torch a a juvie facility construction site in Minecraft. Mm-hmm. That's very important. Parody redacting a prison or a courthouse or cop car. That's 
you know, a legitimate expression of popular democracy, the liberated self-activity of the masses. We are not going to stop you from finding out if shooting police cars causes them to blow up just like they do in Fallout 4. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, at least you won't have to worry about any radiation. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, who the fuck knows with these chuds? Oh, God. But, yeah, it's just... <laughs> Like, the only reason it's of concern is because that's that's going to dictate some of the terrain for the movement in the coming months. Like, you know, if if we got, oh, we've got, like, you know, evictions and Trumpville's and, um, you know, Black Lives Matter and all that and all these reasons building up to a fraudulent election, you know. <laughs> yeah, a fraudulent election. Like, that that might be the thing that just kicks everything off. Because that's, that's one thing I will say, is the Boston Globe report is kind of catching up with us, but still not quite, because they are just looking at it from a Democrats versus Republicans perspective. They did yeah. not really seem to entertain the possibility that there might be a third option that says, fuck this. I mean, they, a couple of their scenarios apparently pointed towards trying to leverage um, the current protests into, you know, some sort of color revolution shit. But uh, the, the situation is already too far gone for that. Biden's hiding in his fucking basement. He's not going to be leading any goddamn color revolution. Kill your Yeltsin's. Yeah. So yeah, that's where things are in the state of American democracy and the economy and, you know, all the other fun that is the capitalist apocalypse. We're Chop Shop Economics. We read this shit so you don't have to. Good luck, everybody. Bye.